So we're going to get back into our study of Proverbs. We're doing a major themes study of Proverbs, and we are starting with what is the beginning of wisdom. Of course, Proverbs is about wisdom, and so we're starting at the starting point of wisdom. You can't have wisdom until you have the fear of the Lord, and we've already seen that from Proverbs 1, verse 7, as well as uh, which says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And then chapter 9, verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. So we talked about that last time. And we saw the difference between uh, starting your, uh, the starting point of one's worldview or the starting point of one's, uh, one's uh, pursuit of wisdom must begin with God uh, because the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so all wisdom is oriented around and has its basis in God Himself and uh, our relationship to Him. There is no wisdom from God, at least. We'll see that a little bit more about that this morning. There is no wisdom apart from our relationship to God. That, that wisdom is, is at its core faulty, and it, it, will, it will fail without, without question. And so we also looked at Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 7, in which the Bible says, be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord and depart from evil. We saw again the fear of the Lord causes us to be wise according to God's standard of wisdom, what God says. And sometimes we saw that's counterintuitive. In other words, some things that seem like a right way to go to our eyes, to our thinking, the Lord says, don't go that way. And, uh, and by doing that, we, as the verse says, we fear the Lord and depart from evil. So even if we don't understand why the Lord says not to do something or why He enjoins us to do something, even if we don't understand the fear that we have, the fear of the Lord leads us to do that thing, and that in turn protects us. Um, I like, uh, you know, we talked about the fear of the Lord as the, the definition, as the mixture between what we think of is what we, we, we would say being afraid or fear, terror, as well as respect and awe. And it's when those two things kind of combine is when you have the fear of the Lord. I thought what uh, Brother Roberts said during, the, during the, the revival was good. Did anybody catch what, how he defined the fear of the Lord? What did he say? You get two points if you answer both questions I'm going to ask. How did he define the fear of the Lord? Oh, come on. He said, the fear of the Lord, no, no, sir, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, no points today. He defined the fear of the Lord, he's actually quoting Tozer, A.W. Tozer, and he defined the fear of the Lord as being conscious of God. Now, now I don't, I, that's a good definition, but I think it's partial. It doesn't include some of the other aspects of the fear of the Lord like we've seen. But it's a, good, it's a good starting point as an understanding. When you fear the Lord, you are aware of, that God is there. You're not living like you're, like you're ignoring Him. And so I thought that was pretty good. So today we're going to continue our study, uh, and we're going to kind of move on from here and go into the book of Colossians. 
So if you would, hold your place in Proverbs. We'll come back to that in a minute. But look at the book of Colossians, and then we will pray. Colossians chapter 2. Proverbs is not the only book that deals with wisdom. The book in the New Testament that deals with wisdom most often is the book of Proverbs, uh, book of Colossians, rather. Now look at chapter 2, verse number 2. Chapter 2, verse 2 and verse 3. The Bible says that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. Now, you read that, and that's, I mean, there's a lot of, the language is kind of thick when you read that, when you read that verse. There's a lot going on in that verse. But notice, I'll just point out, you have understanding, you have a mystery, which involves knowledge, and then in verse 3, it says, in whom, referring to Christ in verse 2, in Christ are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That's interesting. That's an interesting take on knowledge. Uh, but let's pray, and then we'll get, we'll get into the Colossians here. Our Lord, thank you for being so good to us, and thank you for giving us life, giving us health. Good to see, and I'm glad to see Brother Mark back with us and, uh, and seems to be kicking this thing. Please help him and his wife. Uh, Lord, please give, give especially Mrs. Mark grace and help. Lord, please bless and protect David and James and Priscilla as they're traveling. Uh, and uh, we pray as well for Cooper. You bless him and help him to get over this uh, allergy quickly. Lord, we pray for those uh, like, um, like uh, Sister Eskew that's just ha- had such a hard time with her health. Please give grace to her also. And uh, Mrs. Clark as well. Lord, please help her. Lord, thank you for these people. Thank you for your people that are here today that have come ready to hear, ready to listen, ready to receive the truth. Lord, help them and teach them. And Lord, give me wisdom to know what to say to, uh, to help them, Lord. Thank you as well, Lord, for my dad being here uh, from Pennsylvania. Please bless and protect him and guide him in the truth as well. And uh, Lord, we just pray you bless our time together as we look at your word. Help us to get a clear and firm grasp on what it means to fear the Lord and on how that inter- uh, relates to wisdom. So, Lord, we commit this time to you when we ask your blessing upon it in Jesus' name. Amen. Colossians chapter 2, verse 3 tells us, notice in verse 3 again, in Christ are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You know what that tells us? All knowledge and all wisdom. Remember, Proverbs 1, 7 says, the fear of the Lord is beginning of knowledge. Proverbs 9, 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Both words are used here. Here's the key. All wisdom and all knowledge, no matter how deep it might go, no matter what subject it might cover, is in Christ. You see that? Now, here's the thing we have to understand. This world reads that, hears that truth, and this world will balk at that truth. The reason they balk at that truth is because the world, mankind, considers wisdom and knowledge. Take the Greeks for an example. You know, Greeks are well known for being people of 
wisdom. In fact, all the words we use, like philosophy, the love of wisdom, that's what that word means. That comes from two Greek words. The Greeks were people that were, uh, you know, they loved knowledge. They loved wisdom. You see, uh, in Acts chapter 17, when Paul went to the Athenians, he went to Athens and preached. What did they do? They sat around waiting just to hear some new things, some new knowledge that they had not heard, which means that they love to hear knowledge of various kinds and sorts. So they love knowledge. But here's the thing. Knowledge does not stand alone. Wisdom does not stand alone. It is not amoral. It is not atheistic. That's what we have to understand. Now, how do you know that? Brother Adam, how do you know that knowledge is not atheistic, that it doesn't exist as its own entity separate from God because God says it? That, that's why. Well, that's kind of ignorant. You're, you're, you're in a circular argument. You say it begins with God and it can't exist outside of God, but you get that from God. Exactly. Because at some point there has to be a beginning. And the beginning of knowledge is God. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. So in, in uh, Colossians chapter 2, That's what we see. In Christ are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. The question is, do you, do I believe that? Do I believe that? Now look at at it. Let's just do a quick walk through Colossians because the question of wisdom is very important in the book of Colossians. Uh, They say, and I think it's generally true, they say the book of Colossians was written to combat Gnosticism. Anybody know what Gnosticism is? Gnosticism. Gnosticism exists in our day. It's just not really called that. Gnosticism, you want to give it a, a shot? Well, it, it include, you're talking about Christian Gnosticism. But Gnosticism in general, the word, the word Gnosticism comes from the Greek word of means, meaning knowledge. And basically, Gnosticism teaches whether it's Christian Gnosticism. So basically, this worldly idea infiltrated Christian doctrine. And the worldly idea basically said, and there's a lot of other doctrines that go along with it, but the idea is that there is some sort of secret knowledge that is not accessible to everyone. Like, everybody can't get it. There's only a certain group, an elite, a really smart and intelligent group They see Grandma. They see Grandma. <laughs> oh, man, he's excited. Gnosticism says, Gnosticism says there's some sort of hidden knowledge that's not accessible to everyone, and that's what this is, that's what this is addressing, the, the idea of knowledge. And when you get into Christian Gnosticism, what they do is they take, well, there's certain information, Sister Karen, that you can't really know. There's special things about Jesus that's only been revealed to some people and it's not available to everyone. And you need to come into our group, and we have, special, uh, we have special means whereby we can really know who Jesus really is. You ever seen these books people write? The real Jesus, right? That's the, that's, it's pulling off of that philosophy. That there's something hidden that, that has not been fully revealed. There's some information that we're not really getting that hasn't been, really been told. And you got to buy this book for $17.95 to really... To get that, to get in, get in on that, and only the people who are the most in, well informed are the people who are going to know this information. 
The book of Colossians was written to, was written to answer that question. Here's, here's what it, the book of Colossians, how, how it answers this question. There's hidden wisdom, there's hidden knowledge. What does it say? Two, three, what does it say? Christ. See that? Isn't it such a simple answer? Such a simple answer. All that knowledge, whatever is there, is in Jesus. It's in Jesus. You see, it's, it's simple to the point that people mock it. People mock it. But it is just that simple. Look at Colossians 1.26. Notice how many times the word wisdom and, and knowledge is mentioned. The Bible says, even the mystery, a mystery is knowledge that is hidden which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made, is made manifest to his saints. Then you have chapter 2, verse 3. We already read chapter 2, verse 8. The Bible says, Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the, the, the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Chapter 2, verse 18. The Bible says, Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. You see that? How is it? You see, in other words, these people are like, oh, this is special information that only, only a few can get. You see, but that is arrogant and proud. This elitism in which only a select few can have access to the knowledge. And we're, we're a part of the special group Anytime you see that, be it in a church, be it whatever, anytime you see people, people uh, coalescing into small little groups that think they have one-ups on everybody else, you've got a problem. You've got pride, which actually is not knowledge, it's the flesh. But it, it's, its veil, its veneer, is knowledge and wisdom. And uh, so you have, the, you have that in verse number 18. Look at verse 23. The Bible says, which things indeed which things have indeed a show of wisdom, and they, they appear wise, in will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. In other words, this kind of knowledge was, you talk about Christian Gnosticism, it involves uh, asceticism and things like that in which they would deny things that the Lord approves, like eating. <laughs> uh, and that was, that was all part of that. And again, that goes back to the special knowledge. Verse number three, uh, chapter three, verse 16, the Bible says this, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Notice the mention of wisdom, the word of Christ giving us wisdom. Verse chapter four, verse five, the Bible says, walk in what? Wisdom. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without redeeming the time. All these times that the Bible in, uh, in Colossians mentions the word wisdom. Now let's go back to verse number, uh, chapter 1, verse number 9. The Bible says this, For, for this cause we also, since today we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. Here's, the, here's how Paul prayed for the Colossian believers. And to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now, stop there. 
That's Proverbs, right? Getting knowledge and wisdom is a, is a, uh, is a, a notable and important goal for, for a believer, getting knowledge and wisdom. But I, what I want you to see from Colossians is this, the next verse. That ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. So, all right. Paul says, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you to have knowledge of God's will so that you can walk worthy. In other words, you can live the way he wants you to live. Okay? You, you follow me so far? Being, and when you live the way he wants you to live, it says being fruitful in every good work. In other words, when you live the way the Lord wants, when, when a disciple of Christ lives the way the Lord wants him to live, then that, they bear fruit in their lives, which pleases God being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Notice that. So you live the way you get, you get the knowledge of his will. You understand what God wants you to, how, how he wants you to live. Then you live that way, which causes fruit to be born in your life. The Lord does that. But the end result is that you increase in the knowledge of God. But where did it all start? It started with the knowledge of God's will. In other words, it started with God. In other words, knowledge was not to be had apart from God. It was only accessible by God. It was only accessible in the Lord himself. And when you got the Lord and you got his will, you got knowledge. Because, when you, because chapter 2 verse 3 tells us that in Christ are, are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So if you get Christ, you get all the rest. Here's the problem. People want to have knowledge and wisdom without the God of knowledge and wisdom. That's the reality. Now, knowledge and wisdom, as I said before, are not amoral. They're not atheistic. They are directly tied to God himself. He is the source. He is the source. And many people think Listen, you, you've seen these people that use the book of Proverbs. They write books and they said, oh, the, you know, their truths are based upon the book of Proverbs. And you, how, how many of you have seen stuff like that? They write, they write bestsellers that are, you know, they take truths out of the book, book of Proverbs and they apply them in a, in a way that's sort of like self-help. Y'all have seen this before? And it's, it's a very common thing to do. Here's the problem. You cannot detach the book of Proverbs from the God of Proverbs. The minute you do that, you destroy the wisdom of Proverbs because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But people, as I said, people, because God is the source, people want what God gives, but they don't want God. They want God's wisdom, but not God. They say, God, I want what you, I want the knowledge and wisdom that you have, but I just don't want you. So they read Proverbs and they ignore chapter 1, verse 7 and chapter 9, verse 10. They look at the parts that deal with money and family and all those things that we will look at and they ignore their relationship to God. But how can you, how could you possibly have a right understanding of wisdom if you do not have the fear of the Lord? You can't. It's impossible. Look at, look at, look at back at Proverbs, if you would. <clears throat> Chapter 2. Verse 1, the Bible says this, 
Bible says, My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. So notice, what is he seeking? The, the father is telling the son, you need to seek after wisdom. Okay, you following, you following that? If thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. And this is a noble, this is a noble uh, a pursuit here. Seeking wisdom, seeking understanding, finding that which is true, that which is right, that which bears good fruit. That's a good thing. Yea, if, I, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures. Now stop there. So you see this pursuit. He's saying, son, if you do this, you need to look for wisdom. You need to look for understanding and knowledge. You should seek for it. It is, wor- is, it is a worthy goal. So I'm going to set my heart to seek after wisdom to find out what is right, what is wrong, what bears good fruit, what does not, what will give me a happy life. And that's a lot of what Proverbs is talking about. What will make me happy? What will make my life successful as far as in this world? And all of us want that. You know, we're, we're not like gluttons for punishment around here. Like we want, you know, we want money in the bank. You know, we want nice things, a, a family that's together and kids that love us and, you know, we want to live a long life. We don't want, you know, you know what I'm saying? We all want those things. Those are natural and good things to want. So we seek wisdom to get those things. And that's what the self-help proverb, uh, books based upon Proverbs are all about. And then, in, and then you read in verse five, it's kind of startling. So you, you're seeking for wisdom, but you find what? Verse five. You're looking for wisdom and knowledge with all your heart and all your soul as you would with, for silver and gold. And verse 5 says, Then shalt thou understand the what? The fear of the Lord. So when a man sets on a journey to find wisdom, true wisdom, and true knowledge, the first thing he comes across is the fear of the Lord. Because that's the beginning. In other words, his relationship to God is dealt with. And find the knowledge of God. Notice the order. Then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord. That's first. And find the knowledge of God. You see this connection? I hope you see it clearly. Between wisdom and God. In in Colossians it says, All the wisdom and knowledge is hid in Christ. In Proverbs it says, The fear of the Lord is beginning of wisdom. You can't detach the two. Wisdom is not something independent of God. Look at verse, the next verse. For the Lord giveth wisdom. Ah, there we go. This is what we call the source of wisdom. This is why we find the fear of the Lord first, is because God is its source. So when you found God, you found all the rest of the wisdom, you see. So the Lord wants you to have a right relationship with Him first. Just like this is essentially the same as Colossians, is it not? The Lord giveth wisdom. Out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. In other words, you you need to get right with God. You need to have a right relationship to God. And then in him, you'll find all this wisdom that you're seeking. But here's the problem. If we go around God to get it, there is where we fall into a snare and a trap. And people do it all the time. 
Look at 1 Corinthians, if you would. I'll have to boogie a little bit. Run out of time. Chapter 1, verse 18. <clears throat> verse 18 says this, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. Notice that's the opposite of wisdom. But unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy, notice, just note all the times the word wisdom is used, okay? For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the distributor of this world? Hath not God made foolish, now this is the first occurrence of this term, the wisdom of this world? Stop. The wisdom of this world. All right, there's wisdom, right? But is this wisdom the same wisdom we're reading about in Proverbs 9.10? No. This is a different, it's called wisdom. It's a different kind of wisdom. How is it different? It's called the wisdom of the world. Keep reading, verse 21. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world, by wisdom, knew not God. In other words, their own wisdom, their thoughts and reasonings, their philosophies that they all believed were right and good actually led them away from God. Is that not the polar opposite to what the wisdom, what true wisdom is? True wisdom begins with God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Okay? The world by wisdom, in other words, its own wisdom led it away from God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Look at verse 24 and verse 30. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God. Notice, Christ the wisdom of God. Colossians 2.3, Christ is the wisdom of God. You want wisdom? Get Christ. Look at chapter, uh, verse 30. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who, that's Christ Jesus, of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Jesus is our righteousness, Jesus is our wisdom, Jesus is our sanctification, Jesus is our redemption. People say, oh, all you talk about is Jesus. He's everything. He's everything. This world constantly wants the good things God gives without God. They want wisdom, they want righteousness, they want sanctification, but they don't want God himself. You know what that is? That is an affront and an offense to God, and it will not work. You will have God or you will not have anything. That's, that's God's terms. Let's look at chapter 2, verse 4. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of, notice this is a different term for the same thing, man's wisdom. All right? Note that. But in demonstration of the Spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, same thing, but in the power of God, how be it? We speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world. Notice the, he switched the term. Same thing. That come to naught, uh, nor the princes of this world that come to naught. That's the fruit of this kind of wisdom. It, goes, it comes to nothing. We, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Look at chapter 
Look at verse 13. Which things also we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teacheth. Notice that. I'm trying to show a contrast. This is a biblical contrast between man's wisdom and God's wisdom. All right? But which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now, a lot of people refer to this as a, a method of Bible interpretation, right? But actually, there's more to it than this. This deals not just with how you interpret the Bible, but also with how you is talking about wisdom. Spiritual with spiritual, because wisdom of this world, men's wisdom, is at its core fleshly. All right? Let's get, look at chapter 3, verse 18. It says this, <clears throat> let, But let no man de deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, notice the terminology again, let him become a fool that he may be wise. You see that? Become a fool. You know what that means? It means we got to go to Jesus, <laughs> right? Humble ourselves and go to Jesus. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, He taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise that they are vain. Now, look at James 3 to conclude. I know I'm rushing a little bit. Now, I wish we could pause at each one of these, but I'm trying to get to a point here. James 3, verse number 13. James chapter 3, verse 13. So you have God's wisdom. You have man's wisdom, which is also called the wisdom of this world. Everybody with me on that? Kind of, get, kind of give me a, a little nod, a little nod. We understand there's a difference. Man's wisdom is a thing, is a thing. Man's reasoning, man's thoughts, but it's different on, in a key, key way. James 3, verse 13 says this. Who is a wise man? Notice the term wise man and endued with knowledge among you. Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom, notice it, the wisdom we just read in verse 14, this wisdom descendeth not from above. Where, where's it, what's above? God's above, right? So where does it, what does it say? But is earthly, sensual, devilish. That's the world, the flesh, the devil. Earthly is the world. Sensual, the flesh, carnal. Devilish is of, the, of Satan himself. Notice that wisdom, where is its source? This second kind of wisdom. The Bible says it doesn't descend from above, but it's from below. That is, it comes from man. That's the difference. All right, so here you, have, here you have the contrast. What is the difference between man's wisdom and God's wisdom? Here it is, the source. The source. God's wisdom says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning. God's wisdom says, God's wisdom says Christ is our wisdom and in him are all the treasures of knowledge and wisdom. So we go to Christ. He's the source of all the other wisdom that we desire in this pursuit. So we go to him. The wisdom of this world ignores God and ignores Christ and seeks its wisdom from man. But the result of that is carnality, sensuality, worldliness. It's devilish. Bitter envying and strife. Think of all the wisdom of this world. What is, the, what is its fruit? 
What is its fruit? You know what it is? Division, hatred, variance, emulation, pride, fulfillment of the flesh, lust. That's what it is. So it's no surprise that this world looks upon us and what we say and they think it's dumb, (laughs) right? Verse 16 says, For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above, now we're in Proverbs 1-7 territory, right? Proverbs 9-10 territory, from God, is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated. I'd love to go through all these. Not, not today, not now. Full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. A lot of people, they want, they want a life that has all these good things, but they don't want God but it says the wisdom comes from above. You can't have that wisdom unless you have he that is above. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. It starts with God. So for the disciple of Christ, let me challenge you. The Lord says in this book, if any man lack, if any of you lack wisdom, what does it say? Ben, what does it say? Let him He's going to run a blank. He knows the verse. He could quote it probably. Let, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Why? God's the source. So let me encourage you. For the disciple of Christ, that's you, we ask questions like this. When we need guidance and wisdom about things, anything, anything, money, family, relationships, job, anything, we go to God. Well, God, 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 what does God have to do with my, my, my interest rate? What does God have to do with my, my job decision? We say, what does Christ want me to do? See that? What does Christ say today? say to do? You know what we're doing? We're acknowledging that the source of the wisdom that we need is God. God. You see? That's how you apply that practically. When we need wisdom, we go to Christ. No matter what the subject might be. The world says that's dumb. The world wants to avoid God at all costs. They just want the good things that God gives. No, we go to God. We want Him. We want His wisdom. And we want His wisdom with Him. We don't want His wisdom outside of Him. You can't get it anyway. So this is the way we practically apply this truth to our lives when we seek wisdom. Let's pray.